Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. Transformed by the light. You know, sometimes it's really important to turn on the lights. In, in, for some of us, at least, it's important to have a nightlight in your house. When our grandchildren, were, for instance, were going to first come and visit us, we, we felt like it was very important staying on the second floor with a, with a steep spiral staircase and a non-conforming staircase rail that we had a nightlight so that they could see should they wake up in the middle of the night. Of course, we're staying in the room with them. We had a nightlight in the room they were in. I mean, it's important to have light in the darkness. Has anybody stumbled in the darkness? Stumbled into furniture, stumbled into things? Especially if it's in an unfamiliar place, it's important to have some lights on. I had one, one event in the cellar in our house that, uh, you know, was kind of dark and dank and a little, it was weird. And, and I'd gone down there and I didn't turn the light on. And I wish I'd turned the light on. I mean, I really wish I'd turn the light on because I could see with what little light there was that some insulation was down and, and Cynthia had asked me to go down and get a, get a ladder, step stool. It was down there where she'd been working on something, who knows what. <laughs> I go down to get the step stool and see insulation. I don't turn a light on. I've got this. I grab the step stool and then I'm curious about the insulation and it seems maybe it's a little damp and I reach down and touch the yellow insulation and then the insulation got darker and I didn't turn the light on and oh I wish I'd turned the light on because then I would have known that the darker insulation was not insulation but rather it was a possum that had gotten into the cellar that I had just touched. It's really important to turn the light on. I'm thankful the possum continued to play dead as I touched that possum. Light transforms darkness so we can see what we need to see. So it is in all of our scriptures for today. Light transforms the darkness. Isaiah in the, in the Old Testament reading, arise and shine, your light has come. And it even begins to speak nearly of the visit of the wise men and, and the glory of the Lord shall shine upon you. Light's going to transform the world in which you live. Light's going to shine so you can see what you need to see. Light's going to shine so that people are drawn to the goodness of God, drawn to, to life that's being transformed, God having things more God's way. Light will shine in the darkness. And, and in the New Testament reading in Ephesians, Paul is talking about when light shines, he is going to be called to the apostle, to the Gentiles, and there's a mystery that the Gentiles, the outsiders, are included. So one observation about the light, when the light shines, people are drawn to the light. When the light shines, people are drawn to the light. Observation number two is when the light shines, the net of people welcome to the light gets wider. Paul is one who is an apostle of the transformed light of Jesus to the Gentiles. The light's shining and the people being welcomed from, from far and near is getting bigger. I mean, 
Paul was raised a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul raised a Jew studying the scriptures and for the Gentiles to be welcome was beyond what Paul was thinking when Paul was born and when Paul studied. But when the light shined upon Paul, the light of Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul's vision, while temporarily going blind, Paul's vision got bigger. Paul's vision got wider. And how like God to take one who was so, so teaching the way of exclusion that might be a mischaracterization of Paul a little bit but not fully to use Paul as one who would preach the light to the Gentiles light to the world that means everyone else I mean there were only two categories in Paul's world there were there were the people of God the children of Israel the children of Abraham and the Gentiles everyone else and Paul is the apostle to everyone else after he'd been almost exclusively studying the truth of God for the children of Israel. And now he is shining and announcing light to everyone. What's it look like for the church today, particularly the church in America, to take up the mantle of being the light to the Gentiles? The light to everyone who's the most left out who's the most forgotten who feels like they can't walk through the door who feels like they're judged and pushed away who feels like they are not welcomed or loved or not safe what's it what's it look like to be shining the light to the Gentiles in the church today may the Holy Spirit allow your imagination to run wild What's it like to be the light to the Gentiles today that transforms it, that increases the room at the table? And then there's the familiar story on this where I have picked today the readings for the Sunday of Epiphany. Epiphany Sunday, the epiphany of our Lord, the, the visit of the Magi, the wise ones, the the astrologers, the wise men, the seekers, the seekers after light, where the light shines and they come seeking and following that light, following the star. So the wise men, they off, some think they were religious men of some other religion, some think they were astrologers, nonetheless, they are, they are studying the stars, they are studying the movements of the world, they are curious people, they're knowledgeable people, and they were curious enough to follow what they saw. They would have been accustomed to looking and expecting signs in the heavens that were indicating what the gods, little g gods, were doing. But they see this star in the east and they're curious. Let us go see what this might mean. And they, they approach and they get to Jerusalem. They go see King Herod. Herod feigns interest as despots and tyrants often do for their own ends. He pretends to be interested. Herod hears of another king and he pretends to be interested and Herod has his own things in mind. The darkness will always seek to snuff out the light. It just is never successful. But it might get ugly in between. 
So the wise men go to Herod, they, they hear, and they go to Bethlehem, and they follow the light right to where it leads. Here's another observation about the light. Regardless of what curiosities we have, what knowledge we have, what gifts we bring, what our careers have been, what, what our studies have been, the light ultimately leads to Jesus. I mean, light ultimately leads to Jesus. The light leads to the truth of Jesus. Philosophers, kings, scholars can study and study and study, but I'm going to tell you, when it all comes down to it, the light, like the wise men discovered, the light leads to Jesus. Jesus crucified. As Paul writes, I want to preach only Christ and Christ crucified. It leads to the mystery of the Christ child, the mystery of of the child born of Mary's womb, the mystery of the child that grows up and confounds those in the temple at age 12, the mystery of the one baptized by John in the river Jordan, the mystery of the one who gives us a sermon on the mount, who who forgives the sins of, of, of all, the one who who touched a leper. I mean, the mystery of, of Jesus. The light leads to Jesus, and we can study from now to the end of the time, and we will never exhaust the riches of his grace, the riches of his truth, the riches of his welcome, the riches of the way the light of Jesus transforms all of humanity and transforms us. The light leads to Jesus. And the wise men, when they got there, they bring in gifts, gold for a king, frankincense, myrrh used often for burial. The wise men, I don't think they knew what was coming, but they gave gifts as if they knew what was coming. They gave gifts as if they'd read Isaiah 60. (laughs) How interesting how Scripture coheres together in mysterious and wonderful ways. The light leads them to Jesus, and they are transformed. Now, here's another way that the light transforms us. Light transforms us counter to the light to the darkness really that is the world. The light transforms us as seekers after, as followers of Jesus over against empire in the way of Herod. Over against empire in the way of Herod. You see, you see empire, empire is, is the power to dominate. Herod was was really operating under the power and the authority of Caesar in Rome, and Herod was operating as a servant of the empire. Empires have their thumb to enforce the will by might. Empires seek to transform the world by the darkness of, of muscle and death and threat. Empires seek to enforce their will by sheer determination. Empires like Rome, like Babylon before it, Persia, in between there, Assyria, empires like the Holy Roman Empire, empires like America. for all of its greatness, for all of its things for which we can be grateful, America is indeed an empire. An empire that that seems to run on consumption and materialism and greed and power and force just like empires of old, only on a grander scale with bigger and more dangerous bombs. 
the wise men come from likely an empire and those the wise men come they encounter Jesus and it says they go home by another road home by another way warned by Herod and so it's not just that they're warned of danger they go home seeing the world differently do we dare to see the world differently do we dare to see the world through eyes of compassion, through the lens of shalom, through the lens of, of peace for everyone? Do we dare to see home by another way? Do we dare to see ourselves transformed so that, so that the light shines and, and there's more seats at the table? Do we dare to see the world where, where we will pray for and yearn for peace even as we are confounded with the mystery of how to deal with violence in our world? Will, will, we, will we dare to be shaped by the light of, of the child that the wise men see, by the light of Jesus, by Jesus crucified, who lays down his life and receives the power of the world into himself, wounded into himself, and the world being transformed by his co-suffering love as opposed to the might and power of Herod or Caesar? By the way, Herod sought to protect his power, didn't he? We didn't read the passage following in Matthew. It's not a very happy New Year type of passage. The slaughter of the innocents, but Herod would do anything, including the killing of children, to try to snuff out the life of the king in order to protect his power. But whose power wins out? The one who would, who would use force and even death? Or the one who surrenders to death whose power wins out whose power is the one still talking about whose power changed the way that we even orient the calendar whose 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 power has 2.8 billion people on earth calling themselves followers of Jesus in some way whose power is still still causing kings to come and wonder and peasants to be caught up and people to be welcomed and sins to be forgiven and love to be given and service rendered whose power is the one still standing today it's the power of the one whose radically inclusive co-suffering love brought us the forgiveness of sins and revealed the love of God transformed by the light transformed by the light so so the wise men I don't know if that they were necessarily wise they were curious on their way but I would tell you they were wise when they left they were curious when they when they traveled following the star and maybe even bold and curious but they were wise when they left because they went home by another way that is our opportunity that's our challenge that's the way for us who are seeking after Jesus that every single day it's as if we have gone to visit the Christ child and we've offered him the gifts of our curiosity the gifts of our mind the gifts of our heart the gifts of our time and talent and treasure we've offered him the gifts of ourselves and we go home by another way and I have to tell you friends in, in today's consumer-driven, materialistic, greedy, selfish culture to go home by another way, the way of Jesus, in a culture that, that, is, that seems to run on, on greed and, and violence, it takes a constant visit, a daily visit, to the one born of Mary to go home by another way.
a way that brings us more peace that is certainly countercultural to the ways of Herod, the ways of empire. Oh, but it's the way of Jesus, the way of the one who died for us. It's the way of love, as presiding Bishop Michael Curry so eloquently speaks about. It's the way of love, the way of the one who laid down his life for us. So let's bring our curiosity. Let's show up and visit. Let's bring our gifts. And let's covenant together every single day to seek to go home by another way. Let's pray. Oh, loving God, in the name of Jesus, that we seek, and that we seek only because, oh God, in Christ you have sought us, pursued us. Draw us near that we might be transformed by the light. Thank you, O oh God, um, that throughout all of our lives and throughout all of history, no matter what has gone on, that you have had the light shining in the darkness, drawing us near, allowing us to see. So may we continually be nudged and shaped and molded that we are always going home by another way, the way of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www dot fbcottawa dot org